Hey, uh, welcome to the new voting project. Uh, my name is Kanal, your host. And today we're here with Ariana Khan, a, a student at Eastern Michigan University who has led a number of initiatives on her campus to increase voter engagement. Uh, she's collaborated with orientation to embed a mentors training uh, with a number of student organizations. She's held voter registration events. Um, she's enacted pro voter legislation on her own campus, you know, creating a campus uh, voting holiday. Um, she has helped uh, many queer and closeted folks uh, get out and, and, you know, carry their voice and advocate for them. Um, and she did that one-on-one -on -one and with many of her peers at Eastern Michigan. Uh, so it is, it is a great honor to have you on the show. I always love to get the student perspective because it's us who's going to bear that mantle in, well, now, but, you know, who, who, who's counting those days. Uh, so thank you so much for, for taking the time to be here with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Of course. All right, so let's dive into these questions. Uh, just to start off, pretty basic, you know, talk a little bit about your background, um, you know, why you got into voting rights specifically and advocacy work, uh, and, and touch on how your college experience at Eastern Michigan is kind of preparing you for your future career, any aspirations you'd like to highlight. You know, this is the one question where you talk about you. Well, okay. Um... Ever since like high school, really, I've always wanted to be involved um, with the surrounding community. And once I got into college, um, I started with orientation because that was what was most familiar to me. Um, and it really helped me connect to a lot of different campus departments and a lot of students at various um, points in their college careers. And once I was able to meet with a bunch of people, it became very clear that there were various gaps in accessibility. And one that stood out the most to me was um, gaps in voter accessibility. So I started college in 2018. So that was around the time of the midterms. And I just noticed how many people around me were trying to vote in whatever capacity they could, um, but just couldn't for a number of reasons. Um, at that point, election day was not an institutional holiday. Um, so only certain majors got the day off. Um, and even then, like, they might have had election day off, but like an exam right after. So there was no real incentive to go and spend their time voting when it translated for them as a waste of time because of the other priorities that they needed to tend to. So um, come the next fall, it was like fall 2019, I was working in the LGBT Resource Center at that point, And um, I was heading a support group called CutiePoc, um, which stood for uh, Queer and Trans People of Color Collective. It wasn't necessarily a club. It was more so like it didn't have student org status. It was more so like a collective of a bunch of queer POC that got together and just talked and leaned on each other for community and support. Um, I was working with that when my coordinator let me know about the position at Campus Elect. I applied and I got in. And initially, I just thought that my advocacy work would look like just like flyering and canvassing. I mean, it was what I did when I was like 16. Um, and I thought that I could just continue to do that in college. And I cared, but I wasn't necessarily like as wholeheartedly invested in it as I am now, because it was only when I started the position that I realized how many like systemic barriers there were. It was more than just like, oh, I have class on election day. I can't go vote. It was um, I'm experiencing homelessness. Voting isn't really a top priority for me right now. Or even if I were to register to vote, I don't know what address I would put down. Or 
I would like to re-register to vote. However, I'm afraid of having my address be publicly listed anywhere because I'm a survivor of domestic violence and I don't want my records to be easily accessible. These issues kept coming up and it just spoke to me because people were being vulnerable enough to share that with me. So I felt that it was my responsibility to try to address these things as much as possible. Um, so yes, I am working on several initiatives through um, student orgs on campus, um, through like Washington, Wayne County in general, not just on EMU's campus. And most of Queer the Vote was um, broader than just Eastern's campus. Um, but yeah, the work is ongoing, um, but I enjoy it very much. And I see myself doing this even post-grad. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a it's a community that, you know, we 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 emphasize, we advocate for, but I rarely hear any discussion on helping those people vote. You know, we, we always generalize the category young people, you know, people of color. We'll, we'll go we'll go as far to say that, at least in the 2020 election. But I have never heard of, you know, queer people voting um, and, and the logistics and kind of the the entire conception of making that happen it's it, it's almost it's almost foreign to me so so that's i'm you know i'm i'm very proud of the work you've done i i think it, it needs to be highlighted more uh if, if you ask me but hey i'm not on cnn yet you know anderson cooper should do they should really sponsor me i'm just saying um but what you know in politics there's there's a lot there's a campaign side which which kind of ties in with advocacy there's, uh, you know, working on the Hill, getting, you know, the administration kind of side. Why take up to this, you know, activism community organizing space? You know, what drew you to that specifically? It's kind of hard to answer that question because it wasn't just one thing. I feel like it's more so just that I found myself here um, more than anything. It wasn't necessarily like I thought um this one person spoke to me so that's like the spark that ignited everything it was more so just that like I was surrounded by um people like myself voicing concerns that um I might not have personally faced at the time but had maybe faced like at another point in my life or saw another friend go through this and I was now in a position where I had access to a nonprofit organization with resources and several connections to several communities who were willing to help um, so if I could be the nexus, like, why not actually fulfill that role the way I always wanted to ever since I was young? Um, so yeah, like at this point too, like, I can't really explain like how things have happened. They've just kind of like progressed the way they have. Um, and they've developed into just like multiple initiatives. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to like define that pinpoint, but I hope that answers your question. No, yeah, as I mean... I fully comprehend. I'm an organizer myself. I know what it's like to go from one place to another and forget what day and time it is. Trust me, <laughs> every day uh, for for most of the most of the movements and the struggle. Really, um, you kind of just keep going, and you'll you'll uh, all the monotonous and and minuscule details will just fade away, and you know you're in a sense of oblivion, but you have a purpose, right? Uh, which is, I think, what yeah. you're saying. Um, but it's more for the folks who don't organize. We're trying to inspire the masses, you know, what whatever that means. But let's let's talk about. No, go ahead. You were about to say something. Well, I think that is one thing. I feel like there is this narrative of like young people that activism is like exceptional and that 
um, community work is like a job that like certain people take up. And it is, you know, like you can work for a nonprofit or like volunteer at an organization or give charity. Like those are technically actions, Um, but it's not like a one or the other type of thing. Like people are wonderfully multifaceted. And this idea that like you have to be extraordinary to make a difference is one that I also want to dispel because even just like I I couldn't even tell you how many people are in Wayne County, but it's got to be thousands, you know, but I only helped about 200. Some people would say that's a lot, but other people would look at the entire picture and say that's nothing at all. You know, it's just a blip in like all of this. There were what, like 70 million votes casted in America? What's 200 in the realm of all of that? And I think looking at that feels a little discouraging. So I just like to remind everyone that every little bit that they do, whether it's one person, two person, two people, 20 people, however many, someone is always going to discourage your work on the basis of all these numbers because there's always going to be a bigger one out there. But every little thing does add up. Um, I'll get off my soapbox now and hand it back to you. (laughs) No, no. Um, Well said, well put. Uh, I do want to talk about your work, actually. So I'm glad you brought this up. You know, what exactly for, for for you know the viewers what exactly did you do to help those i think i believe the number was 217 of of your fellow peers what did you do to get them to vote what avenue did you use um and what are some of the core policies and and objectives you were trying to accomplish in this process so the numbers are a little bit blurry in my head because it's been it's it feels like it's been a while but I do think it was 206 people that I met with over zoom in like a one-on-one or a two-on-one capacity but basically um I just put flyers all around the community and also just spread through like word of mouth um and various like social media channels to um people that I knew um just kind of in and around queer POC circles um that's kind of where I started just letting people know like hey um, I work for a nonprofit now. We're trying to get people out to the polls. Um, and I really want to empower queer people to go out to the polls because we all really care about this election. Um, but I was noticing certain issues that were coming up with queer students and queer young people more than other groups. There's a higher overlap with homelessness and being queer often because of family circumstances or um, personal neglect or uh, discrimination in hiring Um, or just treatment on the job that leaves someone eventually in a situation where they find themselves unable to house themselves, right? And of course, as we've all seen with the pandemic, these circumstances were just exacerbated by not being able to find employment or the fear of getting sick and working in a service role. So there were just a lot of people that found themselves much more vulnerable than they'd like to be. Um, So I tried to connect with those people if I ever heard that someone was going through that as much as I could. Um, confidentiality was key for a number of reasons. Um, I think just like to sum it up, people just don't want other people in their business and to know that aspect of them because sexual orientation and gender identity, um, those are things that you learn about yourself and it's for yourself. So people don't often want those things like written in a report about them. Like, oh, like um, this is, you know, Kunal, like he's bi, like people don't always want that like stamped across their forehead or in any type of like record or anything. Um, So confidentiality was key when meeting with these people. I think being a person who is also from these communities helped kind of establish 
um, my credibility with these people so that they would trust me a little bit more. Because I know that some of them were having difficulty trusting some of the resources offered by the university or offered by a couple of organizations, um, just due to like recent history with how people like us have been treated. Um, so although it was smaller scale than what something as grand as like a university or a formal organization near us could supply, it was still enough to be able to talk with them about what specifically they needed because everybody needed different things. For some of them, it was, I don't know how to fill out an absentee ballot being homeless. Like they didn't know that they could just put the intersection of two streets and that would be enough to suffice. Some people didn't know that they had voter ID because they thought that they needed a driver's license or something and they didn't have that. Um, they didn't know that their university ID qualifies as voter ID um, or your tribal ID if you're an indigenous person that also qualifies as voter ID. Um, some people just didn't really understand like the language on the ballots. English wasn't their first language, so they didn't feel comfortable filling it out. It felt a little daunting and scary. Um, so that wasn't that was other types of conversations that we had. So I can't easily say like walking through like every individual process, what it was like, cause it was different for each person. Um, but I guess like the general tone was one of empathy and um, consideration for their circumstances because every single person was just trying their best, you know? And the fact that voting was even on their mind is just phenomenal, you know? Because although it is all of our right and civic duty, the ways that it has been made un like inaccessible to us, the things that I were doing that I was doing last year are things that the city should have taken care of a long time ago, you know, but people slip through the cracks. Um, so it really is commendable that despite all that they were thinking about and dealing with um, and then having a pandemic on top of that, and yet they still wanted to go out to vote. Like I really can't take credit for like all of this because it was really more phenomenal to me that they would even want to add that to the list of things that they were going through and dealing with and managing, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit quiet this episode. Cause I, I personally would like to, you know, I'm, I'm not confronted with these issues every day. So I'm just taking it in honestly. Um, but let's, you talked about last year's election being extremely important. To, to the groups you are working with. Why was 2020 the year where, where you felt this need to be done? Was it just by circumstance? Was it 2020 when you had a historic election, pandemic combo there, you know, for $5, you know, McDonald's, that bitch, but uh, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, why, why was 2020 the year you decided to focus and really hone in on helping, you know, communities you've been a part of? Um. There's a number of ways I can answer this, right? Like, yes, it was a historic election. I mean, we were celebrating the um, 100th anniversary of women's rights to vote. Um, it was also a census year. So this year has been really a heavy focus on redistricting. Um, there was a lot relating to the pandemic as well. Um, not to get into like partisan politics so much because I think this election meant many things for many people. Um, but I think there was a concern um, for many people in multiple ways, not just on one side, um, that this election would be a turning point for a lot of different things. Um, for some people, 
like young people, right? This was their first selection or the first one that they could really pay attention to if they were still under the age of 18. So we encourage folks to vote as young as possible because it kind of sets a precedent for how the rest of your voting history is going to go if your first election um, is the one where you're, you know, first eligible to vote, like 18, 19, 20 or so, it kind of like leaves an imprint and it creates like a habit, um, especially if you just become aware, like with something as major as a presidential election, it makes you wonder in the years upcoming, because we have election day as a holiday every single year, like, oh, what's going on this year? It's 2021. Well, there's municipal elections. What's going on in 2022? Oh, there's midterms. So setting that baseline is really important too. Um, but especially just as like Gen Z is like really defining themselves as a culture born in the age of information, you know, with all this access to technology and a growing awareness of what's happening around them. I think knowing that they can put like all of their words and actions from an online realm into a direct and formal way to engage with the democratic process, I think that's also really important to do, right? Like to engage in the pre-standing system with the knowledge that you've come in from, there are so many reasons. I hope I'm answering your question because I feel like I could talk about this forever, but I also don't want to get into my own personal views as to what I felt was on the line because I don't want to speak too much to partisan politics when I get into this. Yeah. No, I don't have to be nonpartisan. F that. You know. I do. <laughs> um, whatever that means. It was a historic election. It was basically fascism versus democracy. And shit, we chose democracy by a, a tinge, you know, it was it was it was close. And then a couple states pulled through, you know, we had some Stephen Curry like clutchness with Georgia and <laughs> it, it happened. I'm from the Bay Area. What I mean, it was basically like LeBron and Steph teamed up and said, hey, Georgia looks real great. And so does Pennsylvania. All right. And we won that election. Um, We're not going to act like Michigan wasn't a swing state. too, yeah, yeah, okay? Michigan, And Michigan how Wayne County showed up. Michigan is cold. All right. I'm just saying. That's not an insult. And it doesn't carry the weight you think it does. It, it's cold. It's a cold place. Anyway. Uh, yes. No, several key states came in um, at, at very opportune times. And that changed the fate of the country. Um, so, you know, and it is setting the stage for what's going to happen in the 2022 midterms. I don't know to tell you, to tell you the truth. I don't know where, where, where we're going to go. I heard we're dealing with some type of budget right now in Congress, something of that sort, something about infrastructure I've heard over and over again. Um, but there, I think I do understand that personal thoughts aside, you wanted to make a difference. And, and I think you did in, in my opinion. And like you said, the journey doesn't stop now. It never will. Uh, I mean, as soon as you put your hand in this kind of, you're just dragged in. <laughs> you just keep going um, and, and you, you burn out, which, which is kind of like, how did, you, how did you cope with that? You know, how, how, how do you recover or, and how do you keep going? Well, it was exhausting, especially in the six days between the actual election and the results. Those were, that was the longest stretch of my entire life. Um, that was when I really began to feel like time was definitely relative. Um, I think it's a matter of finally knowing when you have done all you possibly can, which is 
hard to define, you know, because I even look at the things that I'm trying to establish at my university, right? Because um, in the process of organizing, I found all of these lists that showed like voter friendly colleges in the state of Michigan and Eastern Michigan was not on that list. So right now it's my goal in my last semesters at this university to just try to establish that status as much as possible. Um, So there are like different benchmarks we set for ourselves and like different standards that we want to uphold and achieve. Right. So it's kind of hard to like figure out where do I draw this line? Like when is enough necessarily, you know, because like you said, like the work does keep going and you, you do need someone to kind of keep the momentum going, especially when it's been you. But at the same time, like if you don't sleep, I, someone said something to me the other day, like, if you don't um, make time to rest, like your body will choose it for you. And that has been like the truest thing, like the amount of like sick days that I had to take in the winter 2021 semester, not because like I was actually like sick or anything, but just because I was just so exhausted from everything that I did alone, virtually in a pandemic with terrible eyesight. Um It was just, I I just needed it. I couldn't be on Zoom any longer. Like my eyesight was getting bad. I was getting headaches all of a sudden. I needed to take some time away from it. So I didn't do as much as I wanted to, as I had planned to originally in that semester. But I'm trying to learn to be patient with myself and forgiving of the things that I couldn't accomplish while I was resting because I only have one body. So I have to be as kind to it as possible if I want to keep her going. Right. That's an excuse I use every day when I'm late to class. So, oh come on, uh, you know, couple. I know they give you enough passing time. No, no, no. It's so hard to wake up in the morning. I'm just yeah. So, shot. You know, in case any of my my teachers are listening, you heard (laughs) it. You haven't heard it from me. You heard it from Ariana here, who is a credible source. So hey hey hey. That's not what I'm here for. Don't get me involved in that. Credibility for my arguments. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, it's, it's a very simple question. Uh, nobody has got it wrong. I mean, there are there is a right answer, but everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, is voting important? It's a yes or no question. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's you just mean, how do you define? You mean, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. I believe the answer yes. Too much pressure on this, okay? I'm just saying it's important to define importance, like not to get too philosophical with it, um, but it means different things to different people. And I think that is important to recognize. Um, Even the election years mean different things to different people. If you ask a lot of um, young people, like what's the most important election they've ever experienced or anything, a lot of them will probably say 2016, 2020, because those are the ones that they've witnessed. But if you ask a lot of older Americans, they'll probably say 2000 um, for a number of reasons that had an outcome that we weren't expecting. So I think perspective is important to consider in all of this too, because without it, you can't properly empathize with the other party. Um, You really just got me on a roll here. I'm not usually this talkative, so. You're welcome. I blame you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I could I could see your point to pers- to perspective, uh, and it's not a silver bullet. When I say voting is important, I mean, should you be doing it? Yes. Uh, is it the only thing you can do? No. And and there are several steps I think you have taken t- to where it, it's tangible. You've done X, 
and you've gotten what? And I know I said this is not math, but I just did some math. All right, two plus two plus two is four. Minus one, that's three. Too complex for me. Yeah, quick maths. Um, in any case, that's that's I think what I mean when I say voting is it's fundamental, uh, but you can layer, you can build on 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 doing that very simple act. Uh, and and I want to talk about voting suppression, voter suppression and oppression in the United States. It's a very large trend. It's one of the reasons this channel was started. What are your thoughts on on current state of Georgia, Texas? We see the you know Texas abortion ban um, recently. Uh, we had the women's march, I think, last weekend. So you know, with all these looming issues and conflicts, uh, and on top of federal mishaps and you know infrastructure and reconciliation. I mean, what what is going on in the average college student who's just trying to encourage some some students to vote? So I'm going to preface this by saying that I am representing a nonpartisan nonprofit organization. So I can't get too much into my own personal views on this um, while I'm wearing this hat because I don't want to misrepresent um, the organization that I'm here for. I do think, though, that the issues in these area are not as simple as a lot of people would like you to believe they are, just like voting. People would like you to think that it's just a matter of, okay, let's just get the ballot in the box. Let's just, you know, talk to the people who are doing things wrong. But I think you also need to reflect on the cultures that encourage this behavior and that um, kind of insist upon it, if that makes sense. Um, these bills that restrict women's access to healthcare and the right to their own bodies, um, policies that promote voter suppression um, or just make it more inaccessible in ways that are not surmountable for the average person. They don't come from a single person or from one bad representative. They come from a culture that defends this type of behavior. So I think it's important to hold your friends accountable when you see traces of these like bits of behavior in them as well. Um, it's not as comprehensive as, of course, like going to representatives that are, you know, passing these bills and writing these things into legislation. But ultimately, we won't just stop these issues by just knocking one or two people out of office or by like emailing them away. We need to address the culture as it exists within our personal uh, circles and communities too. Yeah. No, I could agree with that. I don't have to be nonpartisan. So, um, it's a whole bunch of white people trying to keep their majority. Uh, and, and that pretty much explains that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> My last kind of question is, is based on advice, which is what, what would you give to Gen Z, right? It's such an ambiguous term, Gen Z. What, what does that even mean? It is. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. Exactly. How do we, impact you know our, our communities like you like you know you yourself use that as a role model what, what do we say to the folks that are ignorant uh how do we address them and and what about the folks that are engaged the folks that don't have time the folks that are trying but maybe they're more issue-based than candidate or vice versa what is your advice to the upcoming class of voters step one 
is to find yourself and to set your own boundaries for how far you're willing to go. Step two is to find like-minded people. And I'll elaborate in just a moment. And step three is to stop wasting your time with anyone that takes you away from who you are and what you want. Um, I think a huge thing that a lot of people have advised me on personally um, is not to get too broad with things because you'll find that like, as you notice like certain disparities, you just want to talk about all of them. And that's not to say you can't hold opinions about different things and you can't hold like personal stances for yourself. But if you try to be an activist for every single thing, if I tried to stand up and like actively participate in every single organization that stood for every single one of my beliefs, I would not have a single functional muscle left in my body because that's just simply how it is. You need to pace yourself. So whatever it is that you want to focus on right now, take that one thing and take it all the way. Um, or as far as you personally can take it before you're willing to um, expand on other things or have this be um, an interdisciplinary lens with another subject. But don't bring yourself out, spreading yourself thin across multiple issues um, or multiple realms. You're not going to do anyone any proper service by burning yourself out while only remaining at the superficial level at this. Um, I talk about finding your people too, and also just like staying away from people that aren't your people. And I don't just mean like like-minded people. I do definitely believe that people can be friends with people that have differing um, opinions from them to a degree, you know, like your opinions cannot disrespect someone else's existence, right? But like differing opinions can exist among like friend groups and communities, and they're still functional because you need to have opposing viewpoints to see both sides of the coin or all the sides of the die, you know? But still, um, I think it's really important to see like who is really going to be there for you and support you and not pay any mind to those who are never going to be someone you can lean on. Um, a lot of this work will reveal to you like sides of people that maybe you didn't want to see um, and it'll really make you wish that you had someone in your corner, especially when things get tough, because some of these issues are unfortunately really controversial and really hard. So to not have full faith in your circle is to run a fool's errand the entire time. So don't waste your time with people that are never going to be there for you. Don't fret about their opinions. They're always going to have something to say. Um, they're always going to just poke holes in your argument, even if there really are none to find. They're going to be just carving away at this brick wall, just hoping that your ego will shadow as a result. So stick with yours. Just figure out what that is first. That That's all I want to say. It was a lot, but I hope that made sense. Yeah. No, no sound advice. Uh, I got nothing to add there. Don't be a political dilettante. I'd just like to echo that. Um but no, how, how can folks stay updated on what you do if you want to plug any of your socials or organization handles? I'll put them in the description. So I'm not on social media, but you can probably find me. Well, if you're an Eastern student, um, you can probably find me through EMU Engage or Optimize Eastern. I can email you uh, with like the verbiage too. Um, those are the organizations I'm doing a lot of this work through in these coming semesters. Um, I can put my email in too. I don't mind that. Yeah, no, um, I'll just link. I'll just link the the organizations. I think that's where folks can can reach out and get some resources. Um, and is there anything you'd like to add? Um, 
I appreciate this opportunity to talk about these things. Um, I do feel like, unfortunately, um, we generalize the topic of youth voting as just like, oh, yes, under 30s that are at the polls, when really there's so many aspects of this. So I appreciate you trying to spread some awareness about the realities of what it's like to be an under 30 voter in some areas of the United States. Of course. No. And uh, CNN should sponsor me for that. Um, shout, out, <laughs> shout out Anderson. Um, no, I'm playing. Anyway, uh, no, it, it's my pleasure to host um, any perspective, really. That's what's key to voting rights. It's, it's so central to all the issues. Um, and and that's, that's why I enjoy this channel. I myself get to learn a lot from students like yourself. So it, 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 it's easy, you know, to, to communicate, but it's harder to spread that message and truly learn from it. Um, so, so thank you for the, for the work you do and for your perspective and insight um, on, on this very vital and critical issue we face in our time, um, truly. So, so it's, it's invaluable and, and I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best too. Yeah, yeah. I need all the luck I can get these days and sleep. Uh, but we'll leave that for another episode. Take care.